and welcome back to the Geek Rex podcast. This is episode 154 and uh, we're going to talk comics. It's been it's been a little while since we did, um, but uh, I am here with uh, Harper. Hey. And Kyle. Hey. And we wanted to just do a, a check in on kind of this like a, a sort of state of the union for comics. Um Marvel, DC, and uh, I think we're going to try and tackle Image too. And just how are they doing right now? What's what are the what are the trends looking like? And hopefully this will be kind of a regular thing that we'll be able to check in on. Because if there's one thing that I think uh, comics fans, uh, longtime comics readers have noticed, it's that uh, these three companies, but especially Marvel and DC really tend to move kind of in opposite directions. There are waves where sometimes DC is really struggling. Sometimes it's Marvel who's uh, on the bottom. And so before we dive in, I just want to ask, Harper, what's your relationship with these three co- uh, companies right now? Are you reading many books by all of them or any of them just completely absent for you? Uh, Marvel has dipped down significantly for me over the last like six months. I'm I'm down to like maybe one or two books from them, but uh, and and on the other side of the scale, I guess DC has kind of jumped up a little bit. Uh, but for me, for the last several years, Image has always been the the top the publisher that I read the most stuff from. Just mostly just because they have so many new series that start up and finish here and there. So I just kind of you know jump from one thing to the next, and without having to stick on to stick onto a series, you know for four different writers and six different artists over, over the period of a year. So yeah, my, my, my current ranking, I guess would be image DC Marvel. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that's a big benefit for image. The uh, there's, I think a growing number of people who are following kind of creative, like creators rather than uh, titles. And uh, that's, that's, that's images. That's what makes them stand out. Uh, how about you, Kyle? How are you doing with these three? Um, so y'all were talking about image. I, I have not read an image book in months, like at months. And that's that. It's not that I'm not buying them. It's just that I just let them pile up. That the ever <laughs> present comic guy problem of I just buy them and then never read them. So, but I am like down on my image pull to like just Saga and Wicked and Divine, I think. And I think I still get Southern Bastards. Matter of fact, the Southern Bastards came out on my comiXology, and I still haven't read it, I think, like uh, today. So I'm waiting on uh, on that. But um, yeah, otherwise, uh, DC, God. I, I, so I'm behind by two weeks, but I up for the past two years, I have read every single DC book they've produced. As kind of part of this ongoing like uh, regular column I do over at the beat with uh, my my pal Alex, we uh, we we talk about uh, all the DC books. We kind of do a roundup and we sort of take turns. So I have to like stay on top of all these things. I have read every single DC book, and let me tell you, sometimes that is fun. Sometimes that is a lot of damn work. <laughs> so uh, and you you really feel, and this is not like a to strike on DC or anything. It's just when you're reading a lot of superhero books back to back to back, they all start to feel the same. Uh, even like the good stuff, the stuff that people seem to like, like that starts to like get drowned out a little bit. So um, I'm enjoying a lot of what I read from them. Uh, but I also like have books that I do not like at all. And I still have to read them <laughs> and it's bad. So 
uh, Marvel gets a uh, real shrift from me because of that. Um, I had some trouble with Marvel recently anyway, re- regarding the, uh, the North of Grumman, Grumman issue, uh, when they were taking money from a defense contractor to uh, put out like this book about, you know, uh, defense industry superheroes <laughs> they they instantly pulled off pulled back on but uh i i had it got a weirdly sour taste in my mouth so i did not uh, pick up another marvel book for a while there i canceled my marvel unlimited subscription um so i'm, I'm kind of marvel uh, agnostic i guess but i am aware of the things they're doing and i do understand you know, things are not going exceptionally well there, if, if my read is correct. But, Cal, maybe you're reading more Marvel than I am, and you have a better sense of that. Um, I am definitely reading more Marvel than you're basically none. Although, I, I do want to pause to say, any listeners who did not see that Northrop Grumman, like, tie-in comic, like, okay, it sounds like tacky... On, on the face to have this partnership, right? Like they're literally an Iron Man villain. Like Iron Man's arc was realizing like, oh, this is morally wrong. That's like their most famous story arc in the in the company. And they were like, no, nah, but they're paying us a lot. It's okay this time. <laughs> um, but you you have to you have to actually like see some of the stuff in there in order to understand like why this was such like a like holy shit moment for comics fans. There were ads where it was like the vision was telling children to grow up to be like defense contractors. It's like they're the real superheroes. It was a it was a surreal fucking like four page read there. Jeez. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 all I needed was the headlines, man. And, uh, you know, once you start taking blood money, uh, that was that was enough for me. I, I've I've calmed down a bit since then, to be fair. But uh, at the time, ooh, I was seeing red, seeing red. So, yeah, uh, Marvel, you know, Marvel has been Marvel's been in some trouble. But DC, I think, has been on an upswing. You know, uh, I'm reading a few more DC books than I have in the last few years and a few less Marvel books. Uh, my image poll hasn't changed that much. You know, uh, it seems like for every new series they introduce that I'm interested in, something else gets uh, canceled or more likely given image goes on a kind of indefinite, permanent, non-communicative hiatus. <laughs> that said, uh, I actually wanted to ask you something, Kyle. How did that every dc book for years like why dc why like why are you doing every dc book even the ones that you don't care for every week uh well the back half of that question is easy to answer it's just a matter of being able to stay stay up to date because once uh and and frankly it's going to probably prove fruitless because i think all the creative teams are about to change so whatever but at the time I wanted to it's, – it's very difficult to write reviews of superhero comics uh, on a weekly or a biweekly basis as Alex and I kind of slowly swapped into doing. And you want to be able to write about different things. So uh, you know, one week I was like, oh, I'll write about Tom King's run on Batman. Okay, next. I'll write about Peter Tomasi's run on Superman. Okay, next. Let's talk, let's talk about Marguerite Bennett's Batwoman. Next. Let's talk about this James Robinson Wonder Woman or something. And so it, it's it's difficult 
to to maintain like a sense of freshness in your own like thought patterns unless you're writing about something new, whether you like it or whether you don't. But the problem is uh, these books come out and when when Rebirth first started, it was very easy because it was a, it was a matter of Alex and I could write reviews as books came out. They were new. Everybody wanted to read about them. So it's always easy to write about issue number one. It's not so easy to write about an issue number 17 uh, that's like in the like part three of an arc, right? That's really difficult. It's like reviewing the middle of a movie in just like those 20 minutes. And so you have to kind of uh, figure out a way to keep things fresh in your head, find themes, find commonalities between books. And the only way I could do that was by reading every single one of these things. How did it happen? Well, you know, I think no listener to the show would be under any illusion that I'm not like the biggest DC fan in the world, which I am a huge, a huge DC fan have been since I was, Oh, I don't know, eight, seven, something like that. And my uncle introduced me to like the teen Titans and uh, Legion of superheroes and, and Captain Marvel or Shazam uh, as he's known now. And so I got the opportunity to uh, start getting these books weekly. So here's the thing. I'm very fortunate because I get these books for free, full disclosure. Uh, That's why it makes it a little easier to read them all, so I'm not paying a big bill every month. But there's still the effort of making sure I get them all read through the weekend and before Wednesday when it's time to start writing. So, uh, yeah, that's that's how that happened. And, boy, what a wild ride it's been. All right, so you're reading everything by DC. Harper, what, what what are you reading at DC right now? Um, currently I'm reading Mr. Miracle, that, uh, Batman White Knight miniseries that, uh, Sean Murphy's doing. And then most of the other stuff, I guess, is, uh, I guess I'm reading, uh, Dark Knight's metal thing and Doomsday Clock whenever those kind of pop in and out, but those are kind of here and there. And then I guess the rest is just a lot of the young animal stuff. I kind of pop in and out to, um, uh, since they just kind of started over or, you know, kind of rebooted their, uh. Most of their series, I've I've been picking up a fair amount of new of new stuff from that, and and a lot of the Milk War stuff I read too. So, over the last couple of months, it's it's not any really. Now that I'm looking at it, it's none of them are really ongoing series um, that I'm reading like regularly. It's a lot of like mini series and um, and specials, and then just kind of dipping in and out of events and things like that. So. But a lot of that stuff's been really good. Um, I have to say, I, I don't, I don't hear a whole lot of people talk about it, and maybe I'm just not in the right circles like I used to be. But that White Knight series is fantastic. I'm really, really enjoying that. Um, a lot uh, of, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Harper. That well, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that book sucks so bad, man. I, I think Sean Murphy's the worst. Well, I can't do it, man. I like him a lot. For and for listeners who want more on our thoughts on Sean Murphy, we actually did his previous uh, an entire episode on his previous mini series at was it Vertigo? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Punk Rock Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> another another masterpiece. Let me tell you. I you know I think we actually had a really interesting discussion on that one. Um, we had some issues with it, but I think, uh, you know, um, we all came down in different places with, uh, Sean Murphy, but okay. So you're, you're reading a few things. You're yeah. mostly liking them. Kyle, you're reading everything. Uh, I guess I should say, I, 
you know, I'm, I'm kind of in between you two on this. Uh, I have a number of books uh, that I'm reading regularly from, you know, New Superman, Jean Lu and Yang's book. Uh, oh, gosh. Mr. Miracle, Batman, all the ones that we talked about in our in our year end podcast, which, uh, you know, I guess this is just going to be the plug for all of our previous podcasts. <laughs> you guys should also listen to. And yeah, I'm I'm genuinely I, I think DC is genuinely in a good place right now. They just announced, uh, Kyle, you're you're kind of going to be our resident DC expert, but they just announced a couple more imprints in addition to the Young Animal one, uh, DC Inc. and DC Zoom. So they're 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 really branching out and. I don't know. I was I was particularly interested in the uh, Gene Lu and Yang's DC Zoom book, uh, Superman Smashes the Clan, a 1946 set like adventure story where Superman fights the Ku Klux Klan. These DC imprints are pretty are pretty rad, dude. The uh, I I remember last year at Comic Con, uh, Dan DiDio was talking about them all. Like he said, he they, they didn't name their names. They didn't like say like, oh, we we got this for this the audience, this for that audience. He just said that uh, we're going to open up lines for younger readers, and we're going to open up a, a mature readers line too. So these are like things that I've been waiting to hear announced for some time. And so DC Zoom and DC Inc are really great because like, like I guess like it, the way I, I've had it sold to me, and I don't I don't know how how true this is going to prove when they actually hit the marketplace. But one of the things I think that DC Publications, as as like a as an actual publisher, is looking at is, for inspiration are two different models from overseas. So I think with Ink and Zoom, it's it's possible they're kind of looking, especially with Ink, which is aimed at teenagers. They're looking at at the manga model, like like sort of smaller, like more portable paperbacks, perhaps. At least that's what I'm. I'm kind of hoping that that's the way they're going, and that's kind of what people have intimated to me. And so that would be a, a really great direction for that because you know manga is very uh, popular here in the United States, more popular than you know your day to day comics, uh, American superhero comics anyway. So that is one really smart move. And I think it's, it kind of opens up some really cool possibilities for audience building anyway. And then I know for sure that the black label books are supposed to be based around like euro sized graphic novels. The idea is that they're, they're, they're kind of pulling from like old stuff like star reach and um, some of the, uh, like the album Bande Desini uh, stuff. Cause what they're really into at DC these days is letting art breathe and focusing on artists. Like they are they're kind of like the weirdly the opposite of Marvel in that way. So uh, the black label is like the Euro line. that's going to focus on mature takes that are like out of continuity. And they just, the whole idea was that they were going to bring in these creators that are not able to do monthly comics to, to work on whatever character they wanted to work on. And I guess like the biggest announcement out of that was Kelly Sue DeConnick's Wonder Woman book, which she's doing with Phil Jimenez. But I will say on the Zoom side of things, I'm really excited because my pal um, Cara McGee is doing one uh, with Meg Cabot on uh, Black Canary. So that's something I'm really stoked to see. So hooray, my friends are getting big two money. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and it's it's worth pointing. It's worth looking at that, like, for instance, that Black Label creator list where you've got Kelly Sue DeConnick, Phil Jimenez. Greg Rucka coming back to DC after I think some 
some some not entirely great blood uh, when it comes to the Wonder Woman book that he did. <laughs> you know, DC is still still trying to kind of make John Romita Jr. Uh, kind of as big as he once was uh, Frank Miller, you know, you've got, they're bringing in kind of their, their veteran talent for this. Meanwhile, they've got these newer imprints where they can uh, actually kind of sponsor new talent. And that's a genuinely good idea to try and attack that manga market. Compare that to something like Marvel manga verse from what was that? Like 15 years ago. Yeah, by, by the, headed up by the new editor-in-chief of Marvel, which I'm sure we'll talk about here in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that was that was such a ham-fisted, lazy way to try and cash in on the beginnings of that craze. And, you know, I mean, it, DC, I think, is always pretty slow to adapt to the changing marketplace. But, you know, I mean, uh, they're often pretty good at it once they do. I don't know, Harper, did you have any thoughts on these different labels from Young Animal to Black Label to Zoom and Inc.? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I haven't, I'm not up on the news quite as much as you guys maybe are. But um, as far as the Black Label stuff that I did see, that's pretty exciting, particularly that Wonder Woman series I'm, I'm pretty excited about. But uh, yeah, and I think Young Animal continues to be really interesting. You know, I, I pick up a handful of those books and then the whole crossover event that they just had, the Milk Wars thing was fantastic. I really enjoyed a lot of that. Just thought it was funny and weird and interesting. And that that last, uh, I can't remember which was the first one, which was the last one. I think it was the Doom Patrol slash Justice League one was the last one. That issue was such a blast and had some of my favorite pages and panels uh, in a DC book in a long time. So I, I'm definitely loving Young Animal and I'm very pretty excited at least about the the Black Label stuff. Yeah, I was, I was pretty... Um... I was a little uh, ambivalent towards Young Animal uh, at first. You know, the the creator lineup and the book lineup just did not grab me. But it has quietly turned into one of my most consistently engaging, you know, uh, polls. You know, Shade is still an essential read. Uh, Doom Patrol is still fantastic. I'm even still enjoying uh, Cave Carson. Uh, really, the only one that I fell off on was Mother Panic. And they just launched their first, like, genuinely new miniseries, too, uh, with um, uh, Magdalene Visaggio's Eternity Girl, uh, which, did either of you read that? I have not yet. I, I did. Um, I, I really liked Sonny's art in that. I'm, I'm not sold by the book yet, but it's mainly because it, it's got that sort of staggered uh, Enigma type of storytelling. I don't know if y'all remember Enigma, the old Vertigo book, but it's... It, it, I don't know. I, I think it's the thing I need to see like two more issues of to really get a grasp. And it's very, it's very pieced together in a in a weird way that's hard to to like get my head around. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's definitely an odd book. But I mean, I, I you know, if we look back a couple of years, I think we said basically the same thing about Shade and Doom Patrol's earliest issues. And they both grew very promisingly, whereas the more staid and uh, conventional young animal books have a little bit fallen by the wayside. And yeah, I mean, you know, young animal isn't, uh, you know, doesn't it's it's going to be hard for it to build up the kind of critical legacy of Vertigo unless it gets like some genuine hits under its belt, like more than just critical hits. But this is probably the most like creatively interesting niche imprint that uh, DC's done, gosh, in, in ages. I can't think of how long. 
You know, I, I would also, um, speaking of, of young animal and imprints, you know, I wouldn't uh, forget about this, this Warren Ellis led Wildstorm imprint, That's right, which yeah. pretty, pretty damn good. Uh, at least like the two books they've produced. I, the Wildstorm is a weird thing, man. Like it's, it, it it's like a, a, a quiet drama with sci-fi elements. Like there's a lot of talking a lot of just uh, people in rooms having discussions. And so it's like one of these books that's kind of hard to read monthly, but if you read it all in one gulp, it's really refreshing uh, in, in a way that's kind of unexpected for all these, these stupid Wildstorm characters that I have like no attachment to at all, uh, other than like Midnighter uh, for obvious reasons. And so that's pretty cool. And then Michael Cray, the spinoff book that um, Brian Hill's doing is really fun. It's like, Imagine, if you would, uh, a Wildstorm character being tasked with having to assassinate all of the Wildstorm versions of the Justice League. We're all <laughs> we're all evil. You know, they're all like psychotic and like really disturbing, especially like Aquaman, which is has this very provident Alan Moore kind of thing going on. And Flash <laughs> is like a serial killer and uh, Green Arrow like hunts humans. I mean, it's pretty grim, dark. But it's kind of wild to like see these like these takes that are like written pretty pretty refreshingly and and uh, you know it's just great to have uh, a black writer writing a black character that's you know it's just it's just kind of kind of great to have that 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 authenticity of voice too yeah uh, that, so that that's a good line too I don't know if y'all are reading those books though. I read Wild Storm and I, I'm a big fan of that one or the Wild Storm. But yeah, the, um, the wild storm, <laughs> the wild storm. Sorry. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I think um, Warren Ellis has a really underrated ability to boil down a weird and complex superhero universe into its most essential components. I was likewise a fan when he did the same thing for Marvel back in the early aughts with New Universal or mid aughts, actually. But that was that was kind of a victim of Warren Ellis's notoriously unreliable long term planning, <laughs> and uh, just kind of it literally ended mid series. Like uh, I think the last issue is literally a cliffhanger. Um, but it was a similar thing where he was trying to rebuild this this kind of offshoot universe in a single coherent creative voice, and uh, seeing him do it on the Wild Storm as as an older and uh, more, more settled creator is a ton of fun. I, I, I'm really liking that book. Yeah, I like it too. I'm really looking forward to reading the whole thing kind of in, you know, in a couple extended sittings too. Cause yeah, like you mentioned, Kyle month to month there, it, it uh, it's a little interesting because it is so talky, but the other thing I'll say about it too, is that um, it's really made me notice that uh, Warren Ellis is maybe the only writer in the comics business that I think writes excellent, uh, like physical fight scenes, like, because it's something that's carried over through a lot of his books, including that, uh, that James Bond run he did, uh, I think it was last year, maybe the year before, but, um, just these like several page kind of, you know, physical fights that, uh, play out in a really interesting way. And, and like, you can kind of follow the action in a much more cohesive way than I think most superhero books tend to tend to give you. It's, a lot of those books is just like a kick here and a punch there. And you just sort of assume that there's something in between, but uh, there's some really interesting kind of choreography done in, uh, especially in Wildstorm, um, with a lot of these, uh, a lot of these characters. And it's been really interesting and fun to, to read. 
Yeah, I don't know if that's I don't know if that's something he's just good at picking his artistic collaborators because uh, the the artists in his action scenes always kill it. Yeah, totally. But, uh, or or if it's something in his scripts, as you say. But uh, that is a really consistent thing. Is uh, you know Warren Ellis's books are never like you know like giant monologues between laser blast fight scenes they're really intensely choreographed uh fight scenes that i i'm i just really like yeah and you know i think we should also mention dc's trade program i don't i don't know if you guys buy many trades but um one thing that i really appreciate that dc has started doing in the last few years is collecting their runs, their kind of iconic runs or even cult popular runs in like bulky, but not like they're not like the 2000 page omnibus bulky, but bulky paperbacks where for like 20 bucks, 25 bucks, you get 12 to 15 issues of a classic run. And, you know, some of these are things that uh, haven't been in print in forever, like uh, Peter David's Supergirl and Young Justice Mark Wade's Flash, Brian Q. Miller's um, Batgirl, and as people who follow me on Twitter might notice, uh, I've been reading Greg Rucka's Checkmate because they just released that in two really well done uh, paperbacks. So I'm I'm really appreciative of this. It's something I've wanted both companies to do for ages, and DC is the first to really make a concerted push at it. Well, you know the the trade thing I've been buying a lot of are all these Kirby trades they've been putting out for the past uh, past year since that was his uh his 100th birthday and so like they put out a trade of mr miracle that was just it had this beautiful like uh, sort of wraparound cover it was really well designed and i think their their design team is really top notch so and, and and it has like nice paper it's not it's not quite as as uh, uh newsprint like as the old fourth world omnibuses were but uh, it's it's pretty close, and it's not that glossy stock that I think is really inappropriate for like 70s and earlier comics. So uh, they put out that, they put out The Demon, they put out uh, Challengers of the Unknown, and then they just put out, uh, they put out Superpowers like a month or two ago, and then they put out uh, Kamandi in an omnibus form, which I picked up. So I got like uh, four or five of these now. And uh, I, they look so good on my shelf, you know, and uh, so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm not, no, I don't really buy too many of the rest of the trades because I'm really trying to conserve space as much as I can. But that is something that I 100% have uh, been all over. Yeah, I haven't really, I haven't bought, I'm not much of a trade buyer lately, um, just for time constraints. And uh, the, the weekly stuff definitely keeps me busy enough, but um I do. I have seen all those new trades, and I love the way they look. They, I would agree that their design team has done a fantastic job, and they've done they've done a lot of cool stuff with. Uh, I think is it maybe Michael Cho that's done some of the really interesting kind of co- really cool kind of classic looking Golden Age covers for a lot of the reprints of old stuff like that. But um, yeah, they've they've done a great job kind of reissuing some of that older stuff, and it looks fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's Michael Cho and uh, Doc Shaner does. Yeah, some that's of the right. Yeah. Yeah, good picks there. All right. So um, DC, it seems, I, I think we can all agree, is in a pretty good place. You know, they, they've got some fun projects announced. They've got a, a pretty solid lineup of both recurring creators uh, who've been with the company for a long time and genuinely new blood, especially over at Young Animal, bringing in, you know, 
uh, Mags Vishaggio and Cecil Castellucci, people like that. And uh, as as Kyle mentioned, uh, some of their is that Zoom or Ink that your friend is working on? Uh, that's that would be Zoom, which is the kids line. And so, you know, places like that, they can bring in some new talent as well. Um, I suspect uh, going by uh, going by what we've said already, we're going to be a little less uh, a little less bullish on how Marvel's doing uh, lately. And uh, I guess it's worth mentioning we are talking about comics, not movies, <laughs> where DC would not be faring quite as well. I suspect in this conversation. But uh, on the comic side, Marvel had, let's call it a rocky 2016. Marvel's 2016 was actually so bad. Uh, or sorry, 2017. I, I forgot that it's 2018 and we're all old and dying. Marvel had such a rough 2017 that they actually were written up in Hollywood Reporter. Not for their movies, but as the year that everything went wrong for them with a month-by-month breakdown of just how shitty Marvel's 2017 was. It ranged from, you know, the Northrop Grumman thing to uh, kind of block-canceling all of their diverse titles in a single day to rapidly deflating sales on a number of their big books. And that's not even digging into, you know, stuff like the Secret Empire controversy. I think they had two different reboots in 2017 alone, including uh, Marvel Legacy, which I don't think anybody read or cared about, really. (laughs) I think my comic shop still has a number of those Marvel Legacy books sitting on its, like, five-cent shelf now. I don't know how... How are you guys feeling about Marvel? I mean, they, you know, I mean, their their movies have been doing very well, even if we're not all the biggest boosters. But uh, as a company, it sounds like we're all kind of struggling to find a place with them right now. Yeah. Well, you know, things are bad at Marvel when Mister Marvel himself, Brian Michael Bendis, leaves to go work for DC, yeah, which was like, which was like the news that rocked last November, right? And uh, I remember seeing that on the train. Going from like um, I think we were heading from Edinburgh, we we're heading from Edinburgh uh, down to York in England, and that news hit, and I was like, oh my god, that was like uh, that that had to be like my shocking comics news of the past I don't know ten years or something. I mean, it was a huge defection. Well, however you feel about Brian Bendis, I mean, still that's 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 pretty incredible because he's never really worked for DC. Uh, and worked uh, you know pretty specifically for Marvel, guiding their lineup for the past. 15, almost 20 years now. And so, um, I don't know, like my impression of Marvel is like this. I, I, there's, I think there's some editorial problems that probably stem from an ownership that is really trying hard to line up things with their multimedia properties. And I don't mean their movies necessarily. I mean, their TV shows. So there's been this weird push to like, Make the Fantastic Four completely go away, which is yeah, maybe is finally coming back. Uh, make the X Men more or less a sea level title, which to me is the most shocking turn of events uh, when it comes to like fan loyalty. I, I've never seen more loyal fans in my life than X Men fans uh, when I was uh, a young comics buyer, and to turn off that fandom so thoroughly that takes some talent. 
So uh, the way they buried that line has really been something. And so, uh, and then beyond that, just the, the, the ongoing promotion of the Inhumans, which I guess may finally be ending. It's just an experiment that never worked out. So I think that kind of screwed up like a lot of what Marvel had happening. And then on the other side of it, there's just been like this exodus of talent, not just Brian Bendis, but a lot of these guys ran off uh, and gals ran off to go do books image or elsewhere because uh, Marvel page rates are notoriously pretty bad. So that has been an ongoing problem is that their bench is just not that deep right now. And they're not really developing creators the way that uh, you think a, a struggling company would. So uh, there's just not a lot there that's like attracted me. There's a couple of creators here and there that they've pulled in recently or have started to work with over the past few years that I, I'm interested in. But I haven't really made the the jump into like checking out uh, what you know what Al Ewing's Ultimates is like. Maybe maybe I should do that. Ewing seems like one of the last of their. He's not up and coming anymore, but one of the last of their newer voices who's really managed to make an impact. A lot of the other ones, as you say, have 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 kind of jumped ship, which. Coming from a company that has been, you know, dominating the box office, that's getting written up in Hollywood Reporter, you know, you'd think you'd want to be part of this, uh, part of this, but more and more and more, it really does seem like Al Ewing, uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, like one or two people like that are really the only newcomers they have who've who've made any sort of mark. I mean... For me, just I'm I'm looking at uh you know how many books I bought last year and and at in this year so far I really had almost a, the same amount for Marvel and DC last year but that's really just because of the I think it's mostly because of how often most of the books actually shipped because looks like I was really only reading like Thor and Silver Surfer and Star Wars last year and Silver Surfer's over and Star Wars sucks now that uh they've switched over to a different writer and uh. Thor, I think, ended today, or at least I know it's about to start up a whole a new series again. But um, yeah, looking at this year, that's all I'm buying is is Thor, um, which is still continues to be good. But to me, it's like like when I roll through the uh, the the pull list for every week, looking for um, covers for the covers article that I do every Monday. Um, the Marvel books look so goddamn boring. Like there's nothing interesting going on, especially uh, on the on the artist side. It seems like, like it just week after week, I never spot anything that even remotely catches my eye. It just all looks kind of the same. They've got kind of this really dull looking house style that, um, and and they're not really trying anything new. It seems like, uh, and aside from yeah, I mean. Thor being the only book I'm reading still is pretty interesting given that that's a book that started with the same writer, what, four, five years ago at this point. Like, you know, it's maybe a, a holdover from, from before, but um, I haven't picked up anything new that they've been putting out aside from X-Men grand design, which is like the exception of all exceptions, especially given the whole X-Men issue that we, uh, we were just talking about. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, there's just not anything really interesting going on there that even makes me you know half-heartedly want to try anything it's funny you bring that up because they're having a real problem with artists right now anyway like they're they're all leaving mm -hmm. um like chris somney did his last captain america book and his contract with marvel's over and apparently he's got something else already lined up i don't know what it is but that's a big 
big loss for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one of their like award-winning artists is just, I'm, I'm done. And, and I think the, like the nothing highlights Marvel's woes more right now than when you have the guy who designed the Marvel fresh start, which is like the new thing, which we can talk about the, the books that have been announced if y'all want. But um, the, the, the actual ad, the teaser ad for the whole thing, Jim Chung, who then signed away to go work for DC <laughs> and work, be on the Scott Snyder Justice League book, like literally about two weeks later. So that is to me just endemic of of the of all their problems. Like I don't I don't know what's going on, man, but it is it is they got to get it together. Yeah, and I mean part of that part of that comes as as you mentioned earlier, Kyle. They they seem to be having an editorial struggle. You know, I I had a theory a few years ago that basically, you know, if we're talking about the ages of comics, right, the gold age, the bronze age, et cetera, my theory was that, you know, 1999 to about 2009 or so were the cinematic uh, era of comics where everyone was trying to ape the not just the movie's characters and plots, but their look and feel. And then with 2010, we entered the editorial age of comics, where it was all about kind of editors taking this um, uh, editors taking exceptional control over their lines and kind of the the creative input in them, and really that dictating a lot about the books. And I'm sure that's always been the case, but with stuff like the New 52 and all that you could tell that they were going for a very uniform look and a very uniform feel across each of the different lines. And that was controlled by their editors. Marvel is still kind of stuck in that with editorial presences affecting a lot of this, but DC has kind of let go and moved on to something else. DC is in a kind of more artistic resurgence. Marvel, meanwhile, just had uh, Axel Alonso leave uh, late last year. And he was replaced uh, eventually by uh, C.B. Sobolski, who was a former writer and editor who, I think it was less than two weeks after he was announced to be, um, uh, after he was announced as the new editor-in-chief, was discovered that he had defrauded the company by claiming to be a Japanese writer named Akira Yoshida uh, for three years while also working under his own name as an editor for the company. So just crossing a lot of really like ethical boundaries that even today, Sobolski says, you know, if you want to work for us, you have to obey, abide by these. And people are kind of laughing, laughing it off. Uh, I don't think that was what they had hoped would kind of greet this new voice leading the company. And it was made worse when they hired a new vice president, managing editor of new media, who was uh, accused by multiple women of sexual harassment almost as soon as he was hired. So that was uh, that all happened last November, by the way. Both of those things happened that month. So, the, so Marvel is just just from the top down in a rough place right now. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so it, I, I, I don't really know what the, like the EN shakeout is to like improve the company. I mean, Sobolski's in that role. He's not going anywhere. And, uh, again, again, 
when you're owned by uh, or your chairman is, uh, you know, uh, one of uh, Donald Trump's favorite people, Ike Perlmutter, it, you know, shit kind of rolls downhill anyway, I guess. And this, this sort of sets the standard for like the kind of people you bring on to your company. And it's not great, uh, but I guess they're attempting to rectify things through this fresh start initiative. I, I just I don't know. Like I'm on the Wikipedia page now just looking at the books that have been announced and can I tell you, the, the one thing that's annoying me about this, not so much like the books that have been announced, but the way they have, like when DC announced Rebirth, they announced it, they announced the titles first. And I remember we were all kind of, um, we were all kind of grumbling about that uh, on an episode of the podcast you can probably find deep in the archives. Um, but when they announced the teams, you know, there was at least some level of, all right, well, let's see how this goes. But at least they announced it all kind of at once. And they had this big rollout and like all the creators were there talking about their pitches. And it, it was kind of like a, a DC version of the Image Expo. But with Marvel's little fresh start initiative, it's it's kind of slowly rolling these books out in order to, I guess, get more of the, the like the, the like the media space. Like they'll have a book, the next day they'll announce another book, next day announce another book. And now they really haven't announced many books over the past couple of weeks after that initial burst. And so that makes me wonder, like, are these books all just going to be staggered? I mean, how is this going to work? And I, it just kind of feels like like it, it, it's just not as coordinated as it should be. I mean, there's a couple of books in there I'm interested in. Like, you know, I'll check out maybe, depending on the price, The Avengers uh, by Jason Aaron or – um, got, you know, Al Ewing's Hulk. That's that, 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 that sounds kind of interesting to me, but I, I, at some point it's like, God, what, what, it seems like one thing was really well received. Why are you doing the exact opposite? Of it? And, you know, I think it's also striking that a number of their books that have the most interesting creators or, uh, most promising, most promising kind of, uh, concepts are also miniseries. So you have like Mark Wade on Ant-Man and the Wasp, but that's a miniseries, you know, obviously it's just something to throw out, get out there. And, you know, I mean, uh, Marvel especially, I think really struggles with miniseries, not creatively, but they just don't know how to market them. Marvel is so event driven and DC is not better. DC is incredibly event driven, but DC doesn't try and push out, you know, four or five different miniseries. You know, here you have, Ant-Man and the Wasp as a miniseries. Uh, Captain Marvel, it looks like, is is, is a miniseries un, under fresh start. Uh, Quicksilver, you know, Saladin Ahmed, his Black Bolt, is one of the few, like, genuinely really interesting books that Marvel was putting out, and he's doing a Quicksilver miniseries. Um, uh, Donnie Cates, who... Uh, I think has really done a lot to save Doctor Strange after a run that I just despised uh, is on a Ghost Rider miniseries. So, I mean, a lot of these books, it, it kind of feels like Marvel is uh, hedging their bets a bit on. And the best case scenario for these is a series of, you know, let's say Ghost Rider does really well. Well, then they just reboot it, do another Ghost Rider number one with Donny Cates and that's part of Marvel's problem. Uh, I think it was two years ago, Squirrel Girl actually had a cover that read, you know, Squirrel Girl number one. Yes, we know it's the second number one this year. We apologize. <laughs> like, 
when you when when your own books start apologizing for how often they're rebooted, I I think that there might be a small issue there. Now that said, there are some really interesting ones. I singled out Salad Ahmed. You mentioned uh, Jason Aaron on Avengers. Uh, Ta-Nehisi Coates, uh, you know, he had a bit of a rough start on Black Panther, but I think generally people people agree that that's that's improved and. So he'll be continuing with Black Panther, but also writing Captain America now, which uh, I'm legitimately interested in Ta-Nehisi Coates' Captain America. I think that's uh, a an interesting t- uh, direction to take that title. But yeah, I mean, a lot of these people, uh, there are not a lot of names on this list. And even though some of them I like a lot, uh, Mariko Tamaki on X-23, uh, things like that, you know, a lot of it is kind of the same old, the same old people we've seen there over and over and over again, you know, uh, how many Marvel books has Scotty Young been on lately? How many uh, X-Men books has Matthew Rosenberg done lately? Uh, you know, like, I I feel like um, Marvel is pulling, as you said, from a pretty shallow pool creatively right now. I was gonna say the other thing too, that's pretty striking looking between them and DC is that there's this there's so little like experimentation going on too. There's nothing like kind of out of the ordinary, even, even ignoring the the creators involved, you know, DC's got some stuff. I mean, something like milk wars, like I couldn't even imagine anything like that happening at, uh, at Marvel right now where there's like nothing that's not just kind of like your standard superhero fare. And, and I think that's a big advantage that DC has right now is they're kind of, you know, willing to branch out and do something that's a little out there and, you know, might not might not grab somebody who just walked out of, uh, you know, the Justice League movie, but also is pretty interesting in the comics medium than it actually is. So, uh, you know, I think Marvel, it's been a long time since maybe since like Hawkeye even where there's been something that's kind of been, um, you know, stylistically interesting or different uh, that they've been putting out. Uh, it's 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 um marvel doesn't really have like a history of experimentation it's kind of wild like they they started their company as a kind of a grand experiment when it became marvel after atlas right and then it it, it they <laughs> it always kind of like never really left that that mindset from the jim shooter era on into the bob harass era and it was always it was always like the illusion of change which is kind of common in all superhero comics but marvel always had a consistent feel that it never really escaped from marvel now was like one of the few times i could think of like really idiosyncratic comics were being produced by that company post kirby and ditko and um and uh, that now feels like that was 20 years ago <laughs> because Marvel has gone through so many different revamps, relaunches. It's like Marvel Now 2.0, all new Marvel Now, Avengers Now, all new Avengers. I mean, it, it goes on and on. Legacy, I mean, was the most recent one, and now you've got Fresh Start, which is, uh, you know, it's fine. But you're right, Harper. There's it's. It's they, they they don't do like their own separate lines. I mean, they had Max, but Max is pretty much Max is dead, I guess. And uh, Marvel Knights is dead. They had and, Ultimates. Ultimates is dead. Yeah, Icon mean, Two is them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I well, mean, it's it, it, it's one of these things that they just. I mean, they don't even keep Icon alive, like you said, Harper, because I mean, they don't. They, they, they're not really driven by like creator vision at all anymore. 
uh, at least not as far as like uh, some, someone like um, a Matt Fraction would be looking for. And so that's that's I don't know. I, if you're really looking for like Marvel superheroes, maybe this lineup really appeals to you. But and in the way that like the Rebirth core lineup appealed to like some DC readers and brought them back and sort of regained trust with some readers. But it, I, to me, it's not so much the titles as it is. It's, it's just not the talent's not there. Um, and it, you know, how many books can Mark Wade be on? You know, I mean, he's dependable, but you know, the idea of reading him on Ant-Man bores the hell out of me. Uh, the same thing with like uh, picking up, uh, I don't know, God, Nick Spencer on Spider-Man. What a, what a mistake. After all that controversy with the Captain America, Nazi, secret empire thing. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, I don't even think the alt-right dudes liked Nick Spencer's secret empire. So he was getting it from both ends. Uh, I, I'm really confused as to why they put him on their flagship top 10 selling character. Why? Yeah, Marvel... Marvel is not in a great place in their monthly books. And I, you know, I mean, we brought up DC's trade program, which, you know, I mean, uh, even, even those of us who weren't buying a lot of trades, you know, I mean, like it's, it's well put together. It's mostly well handled. Marvel's trade program is, I have to say, I think probably the worst in the business. Uh, I don't know if you guys, Oh, it's terrible. I remember I bought all of their Silver Surfer trades, the Dan Slot Silver Surfer, because I, I I genuinely love that run. And the first the first trade, it felt like half of the pages were like water damaged. They were curved. The the book wouldn't close all the way. Uh, they were kind of stiff in that way that a book gets after it's dried out, uh, after it's gotten wet and then dried out. You know. So I wrote to the I wrote to the place I bought it from, uh, in stock trades, and I was like, hey, you know, can I get a refund or get something else? And they went and they checked their backlog and they were like, look, every edition Marvel sent us of that has this problem. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so I got a refund from them and bought the book on Amazon. Every uh, you know, the edition on Amazon was had the same problem. Uh, I went to the comic store, that one had the same problem. Marvel just released the first trade for one of their books with what looks like severe water damage on every page. And that's not even getting into how cheap the books look and feel. And yet they're the most expensive trades of these three companies by not even by a little bit, by, by a pretty wide margin. Marvel's are more expensive. Yeah. They, Marvel has not had a good, um, they've not been in the, the trade game in a long time. I don't remember the last time I bought one. And every time I do, it's just like a piece of garbage. Um, Whereas, you know, uh, you know, DC's done a pretty good job of keeping up with their books and their and, and I mean, we mentioned that the reprinting old stuff that they've been doing has been really good. And, you know, image that we'll, we'll get to as, uh, you know, their, their kind of model of doing like the super cheap first trade of, of every series is, I think, a really smart idea that's probably gotten them a lot of a lot of uh, new readers to just being able to pick something up for 10 bucks for the first six issues or whatever. And so I, I don't, I don't want to spend like a lot of time just like taking a dump on Marvel and not say something positive. <laughs> so let me just say something positive uh, that I think is probably on the horizon if I had to predict. 
uh, what's coming. So based on like evidence that I've seen uh, around uh, the recent Marvel Creative Summit, I know that there are some books that have not been announced yet, and I'm not sure if they're going to be coming anytime soon or if there's like holdups. But I think Christopher Priest probably has a Marvel book on the horizon. I don't know what book it is. Uh, but I certainly think after his very, very good Deathstroke run that's still ongoing and really one of the best best DC books, uh, the core lineup that I mean, he even got nominated for an Eisner. I mean, it, it's it's pretty pretty damn good. Um, I'm excited to see Priest on something uh, at Marvel. Uh, that would be of interest to me to read. I'm also kind of curious, and this is my prediction. I think. They're probably trying to get Jonathan Hickman to relaunch the X-Men, which uh, that's probably the only property I could see him like glomming onto and that would be uh, would, would be material he hasn't touched before. So, yeah, that might at least get them some good press for uh, a couple of a couple of days and maybe they set that franchise right. Um, Hickman's kind of been floating around between DC and Marvel and uh, there's been like rumors he's going to do the Legion of Superheroes. There's rumors he's going to do something over at Marvel. So my prediction is he's probably going to end up like doing X-Men at Marvel. And that's going to be like the holy shit, X-Men are back. That would be holy. nice. I miss the yeah, X-Men. That, <laughs> yeah, that would be that'd be good. I mean, you know, Marvel. The thing is, is Marvel for a while had a, had a really strong fringe. Like, I, I think that they were really struggling with their core titles, but uh Things like Kelly Thompson's Hawkeye was a genuinely enjoyable kind of neo-noir book. Uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is still very good. Uh, I, I mean, I mentioned just a minute ago that their recently concluded Silver Surfer run is one of my favorite comics of the 2010s. Oh, yeah. So it's not that Marvel can't do anything right. And, you know, it, it is a good point, Kyle, to step back and make sure to point that out. It's that the broad trends in the company are that they've been struggling for a long time. And, and while I genuinely enjoy uh, a handful of Marvel books, uh, although that handful uh, shrunk recently in the uh, December massacre of uh, canceled titles, they, they, they do they have genuinely you know had a few things in the fringe. They just haven't found a way to make those last or to bring those creators more fully into the fold, you know. Uh, I mentioned as one fairly promising up-and-coming book, uh, uh, Solid and Ahmed's Black Bolt, and I'm glad that he's getting you know this 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 other mini series. But you know, I mean, I, I genuinely believe that you know, I mean, I, I agree, Kyle. You know, how many things can Mark Wade write for this company? How many how many things are left? Uh, you know, bring in more people like Ahmed, Kelly Thompson, uh, and G. Willow Wilson to people who've created some things that may not have done well on the shelves, but have, you know, found like the secondary market or at least critical acclaim and try and bring them into the big leagues the way they're doing with coats. And with that, uh, unless either of you have anything, any final words on Marvel? I think we said it all. (laughs) All right. So with that, let's jump over to image. Now, uh, Harper, it sounds like you're our big image image booster. 
Kyle, you, uh, again, I'm, I'm kind of in between the two of you. I still am reading a, a few image books, but the list has definitely shrunk from the, 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 the image revolution, you know, like, uh, what was it four or five years ago at this point? That said, you know, Image is in an interesting place in part because they have a genuinely, they're very open to publishing strange things and up and coming creators. So what's, uh, what's, what, what's got you excited at Image? What have you, what's been, what's, what are your general thoughts on the trends at Image right now? For me, it's just, they've got a really good mix of, um, a, a lot of their long running titles are still like top of the stack for me. Stuff like Saga and Deadly Class, Sex Criminals, Killer Be Killed. I mean, stuff that's been going on for the last couple of years are still really consistently good. Now, obviously, the downside on, on those is something we kind of mentioned in passing earlier that it, for a lot of these longer running series, there are some long hiatuses of indeterminate length sometimes. <laughs> so a lot of times you just have to deal with a book sort of disappearing from your pull for a couple months before it, you know, suddenly reappears but the quality i think because of that being the freedom to be able to do that and not have to be you know slavishly tied to a monthly or even you know with some of these marvel dc books a bi-weekly schedule gives them uh, room to actually do good work and not you know turn in something that's not so great but i think they've uh you know just in the last six months or year or so they've also put out some really good new things too that i've really enjoyed um Motor Crush continues to be super fun. The Fix, I've had a good time with uh, most of the time. Royal City's been really good. So, I mean, it's just, um, yeah, and, and uh, I, I did want to mention um, Dry County that just came out uh, last week, uh, new Rich Tomaso series. is uh, You know, all the stuff they've been doing with him has been really fantastic, too. So just a good mix of different kinds of things. And I don't think it's, uh, you know, I think we probably talked about, I think we had an episode on, on Image specifically a couple of years back, and one of the kind of downsides we talked about, I think, was that image was so science fiction heavy. And um, to an extent, that's still true. But I think of most of those books, I mean, to me, probably my top three image books are um, maybe Kill or Be Killed, Deadly Class and Saga. And those three books have nothing in common, are, uh, you know, are art wise or story wise or genre wise. Like no, those books, I don't think have, you know, any kind of, you know, um, you know, cross wires there. But uh, but they're all really fantastic. And I think it's just because image kind of gives, gives the creators the freedom to kind of do what they want and take the time to do it correctly without having to, you know, shove a, a, a fill in artist in, or, you know, um, do some kind of stupid event. You know, there's just, it's just interesting books with, uh, with great creators across the board for me. Yeah. And, you know, um, I think there is a downside to that model, of course, you know, uh, I, I love, you know, a number of their books, uh, but like Bitch Planet has been basically out of print for like a year at this point. Mm -hmm. Like I know they've been doing like these like little short story things uh, for, for, for a minute, but like I, I was at the comic shop earlier today and uh, you get a discount based on the number of books on your pull list. And they actually just asked is like, does Bitch Planet still exist? And I was like, I think so. I haven't heard <laughs> of the cancellation. <laughs> um so i mean you know disappearing for months on end can be good creatively but can you know make it so that people forget about your book it, it, you know it leaves the public eye you know sex criminals i think was for a while uh you know sex criminals and the wicked and the divine were both books that i saw people all to online talking about all the time and then they they just kind of both vanished uh they they 
you know, they're still trucking. They're still really entertaining reads, although I'm way behind in Wicked and Divine. But they just, they, you know, I mean, uh, when you disappear for four months, uh, it's hard to really maintain that, that kind of enthusiasm that drives discussion. That said, uh, that said, you know, um, they are, you know, they're, they're willing to publish interesting stuff. And as you said, uh, a couple of years ago, Image had a big problem where they were basically publishing like six iterations of three books where it was like, we have our horror book, our sci-fi book, and our superhero book. And it's just everything is an iteration of one of those three basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And everything started to look and feel the same. But I, I agree. I think they're getting out of that. You know, uh, the Black Monday Murders is radically different from Southern Cross, which is nothing like The Wicked and the Divine. Uh, they're even publishing, you know, like uh, original graphic novels with things like... Um, uh, the upcoming uh, The Pervert from like Michelle Perez and Remy Boydell, uh, which is a kind of a graphic novel, um, uh, a graphic novel that kind of uh, there were bits and pieces like excerpts that published in Island, which was their kind of weird attempt at like a sub imprint under Brandon Graham. And it's about like a, a trans girl sex worker in Seattle. And that's, you know, nothing like anything else image is publishing so i I, you know i think image i think image has a problem when it comes to maintaining a spot on kind of the comic shop charts but i also think that that's not actually that much of a problem you know their their trades tend to do very well in part as you mentioned harper because they have a really smart really uh, good trade program it's consistent too that's the other thing is it's not like you know, it's, I feel like with, with some books, you know, you have to wait, if it's a popular book, they want to wait forever. They put up a hardcover and you have to wait forever, but you know, image is a hundred percent consistent that, you know, as soon as that first arc is done, the first trade comes out and it's nine ninety nine, And, you know, you can rely on that a hundred percent every time, um, which is cool because there's been a lot of series that, you know, I haven't, uh, I read like the first issue or two of and, and, you know, enjoyed, but I had, you know, too many other things on the list or, you know, for whatever reason I didn't get to finish it. And then, you know, it's it's the cost of of three books to pick it back up again. You know, to to pick up the first trade. So it's 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 nice to have somebody that's yeah. You, you can kind of rely on that and not have to worry about it being shitty quality or overpriced or you know a mix of hardbacks and paperbacks because you don't feel like waiting six months for the paperback to come out. Yeah, uh, I I honestly just haven't read much image in the past like months and months and months. And it's just these things really stack up for me. And I'm I'm like I think. Now I'm approaching three arcs behind on Saga, and I'm just not sure I'm ever going to catch up is the, is the worrying thing. Because, like, I'll pick up an issue, I'm like, oh, I like that, and then I don't read anymore. But the only, like I said earlier, the only book I really keep up with is Southern Bastards, which I, I really do enjoy. Um, and uh, even that, like, I didn't read today's issue. I need to do that at some point, I guess. Um, but... I mean, they announced some books at, at, at Image Expo that I thought were at least intriguing. I mean, so uh, I'll give them credit. Like like you said, they're, they're not just producing a bunch of sci-fi vertigo type things that, that, that we used to always call them the sci-fi vertigo. They're finally doing different books. And um, a few of them interest me to some degree. So like, I'm really, I'm really speaking of sci-fi, at least this is kind of different. Like the new Feral Dalrymple book, Proxima Centauri. Um, it's kind of set in that Wrenchies universe, 
uh, that he's been playing with with all of his books. Uh, it will all hurt and Pop Gun War and uh, a lot of a lot of books I just really enjoy. So I'm excited to uh, dig into that when that comes out. Um, you know, Harper, I'm sure you're excited about the new Rick Remender book. This one looks kind of cool. It's like a late version of Drive or something. Yeah, that sounded really cool. Um, that one definitely caught my eye. And the other one that I'm super excited about is uh, Echo Lands. That's uh, J.H. Williams and Hayden Blackman. And I don't care at all what it's about because the, the Batwoman book that the two of them did was like the most beautiful comic I've ever seen with my eyeballs. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty exciting to see uh, J.H. Williams come back for for another image thing, too. And, you know, meanwhile, they also they did a, a weekly book in February that uh, from uh, Alex DeCampi, a weekly romance, like pulp oh, yeah. romance series. Uh, so, yeah, Image is throwing stuff out there. You know, I think that some of their announcements were good. I think that they're trying a lot of things. Honestly, though, I think I think their real innovation genuinely is that uh, $9.99 first trade. Um, I don't think Saga would become would have become like as big and enduring a smash hit as it is without that, you know, first cheap first trade. And I think that's the case for a lot of Image stuff. I know, you know. If I go to the store and comic shop and I only have like one book this week, sometimes I'll just look at the new image trades and be like, I haven't read anything on this. It's $9.99. That's two Marvel issues at this point, basically. So, um, yeah, I'll pick that up and give it a shot. And, you know, I've discovered books that I really enjoyed. That was through doing that. And I've discovered books that just didn't work for me at all. But Either way, you know, that's that's just a good way to bring people in. And, you know, I, I feel like so much of so much of the way Marvel and to a slightly lesser degree, DC does things is about kind of this uh, artificial gatekeeping where you need to know which volume of which edition of which, you know, run you're looking for in order to find the right thing. And that's just not a problem you're ever going to have with Image. Yeah, I I I totally agree. Yeah, I mean it's it's been the most consistent. I mean, looking back, I bought three times as much stuff from Image as I did from Marvel or DC last year, and I, this year will probably be the same. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot lot of good books and smart, uh, you know, slow slow publishing schedule here and there, but uh, but you know, a smart set of creators and and people that i've people that i've started to follow have slowly kind of moved to image permanently people like rick remender are now solely put out books through image and he's got like six running series with them so you know that that certainly doesn't hurt um the i I will say that um i I think this image expo was the first one in a while where i was like okay there's a few books i'd actually want to read (laughs) like i've always kind of thought they were a victim of their own success to some degree where like it, you can you can always have like a new Brubaker book and that's that's a wow moment. Oh, a new Fraction book, okay, nice. New Deconic book, nice. You know, it's it's one of these when the All Star arcs come out with new books, it's pretty good. But then like you get these these Image Expo announcements, like, well, here's our new book with uh, you know Jeff Lemire, or here's our new book with Gary Dugan. You know, and, it, and after a while, like I I, you know, I like those creators fine, but the wow moments aren't there anymore, uh, and and some of it was also kind of boiled down to like um, they announced books that just never came out. Uh, I mean, I'm still waiting for Ron Wimberly's two image books that were announced three, four years ago. So that's like the one thing where I, I kind of, I, I kind of still hold like a grudge with 
which it's like get me excited about something and then never put it out. Um, though it's probably not their fault. It's probably on the creator side. But still, that's the one thing that I would probably they probably still get tripped up on. But hopefully with these new books, that won't be an issue. Uh, and I think they've they at least got they're lined up with creators that are a bit known for actually putting out product on time. So uh, that uh, that is a plus for them in the column. Yeah. And, you know, um, I also I also think that, you know, image is also kind of navigating the uh, uh, this isn't something I want to talk about too much, but image is navigating like the kind of culture war side of comics much better than uh, particularly Marvel is these days. Um, there was a big controversy uh, with one of the image writers recently getting targeted by that kind of uh, one of those big alt-right YouTube channels that have sprung up around comics because, you know, like, fuck our lives. Uh, and, you know, like, Images, what, editor-in-chief, I think, um, was diving in and just saying, like, hey, we support our creators, you know, they're, I'm not going to fire, I can't fire these people, uh, you know, you know, uh, they don't work for me, I work for them, and, you know, as long as they're paying me to market their books, I'm going to keep doing that, and I was, I was genuinely pleased to see, you know, like, the kind of higher-ups at Image uh, standing up for, you know, some of their some of their people who had just not you know just brand new creators who are trying to break in and getting targeted by you know some of these assholes online. Yeah, I hadn't seen that, but that is pretty cool because that's not something you'd really see anybody at DC or Marvel doing. <laughs> now, so Image Image is doing pretty well, but the thing about Image is you know I mean they. The only thing that's really changed from them in the last few years is uh, um, they've diversified their lineup a lot, and that has done a ton to improve them. But they have, you know, some of the things they've tried have failed. You know, like uh, I, I genuinely had had high hopes for that, uh, like Brandon Graham led. Like, what was I don't even remember the name of it now, but like the Arc Light, oh, Eight House, oh, Eight yeah. House, yeah. Um, you know, that had an interesting creative lineup. It had a, you know, and I, I think a lot of those books literally just ended mid, mid arc. Like, uh, I don't think arc light or from under mountains came to any sort of conclusion. They just kind of stopped. Yeah. And that's something that Marvel and DC are pretty good at avoiding is just saying like, Hey, you know, like this may be, get, this may be ending before you want it to end. But it is genuinely going to come to some sort of a conclusion, typically, whereas image books, you know, like the second it crosses some threshold for the creators, it is uh, it's just out. And that makes sense because I know um, uh, because of the way images finances work compared to Marvel and DC's. Some of those lower selling titles, the creators are basically just praying the trade sells because uh, I know, uh, I think it was Alex DeCampi uh, has mentioned that she lost money on some issues of No Mercy by the end. She was losing money uh, every time the book came went to print. And that's a situation that's just a tough place for these creators to be, especially ones who are, you know, a little lower profile than your Rick Remender and Jason Aaron and such. Yeah, I mean, I guess the issue is that, like, uh, if, if you're a writer-artist, 
you won't lose money because you're not having to pay somebody <laughs> to, uh, to, to, to put together the art for your book. But I guess Alex DeCampi was probably in a situation where she was, uh, supporting her, uh, her, I guess, Carla on, on no mercy and, uh, Carla, Carla McNeil. And, um, so that's, that, that, that's a troubling statistic. I mean, the thing about it is Marvel and DC has have habitual buyers. Um, no matter what, there's going to be somebody that's going to buy 20,000 copies of Captain America or right. 25,000 copies of Iron Man. It's going to happen, right? But Arclight, I'm not sure that book cleared 3,000 copies, you know? And it's just it, – it, some of that is bad advertising on Image's side. Like they really should do better with marketing, but their marketing department is not the best. Um, and then secondly, you know, there's – it's the, it's the direct market too, man. Like it, it's impossible for somebody to produce something new and then the creator has to push it themselves for someone to pre-order a book. So create, so, so local comic shops can have it in stock. I mean, that's a, that's such a ridiculous system. And I realize it saved comics 30 years ago, but it's just not how the market works anymore. And comic shops are going out of business left and right anyway. And I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, it, that's a longer conversation. But I think I'd be surprised if there are comic shops in 10 years. Yeah, there will probably be, you know, a comic shop in major cities. But it'll probably look a lot more like a bookstore than a comic store by that point. Um, uh, especially if Marvel keeps what, – what, I think comics be, published an article, uh, right, from a guy talking about uh, how his comic shop from 2016 to 2017 lost $21,000 in revenue from Marvel that year. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, they'd have a regular column from um, uh, uh, this, this, this fellow, Brian. I think his name's Brian. Sorry, it's been forever since I've looked at this Brian Hibbs, right? Yeah, Brian Hibbs. Yeah, thank you. Um, and so, uh, yeah, Tilting at Windmills, I think, is the name of the, of the column. And so... It's a it's a good insider look at, at how somebody who runs one of those shops has to do the day to day work and like the struggles they have with Mike Marvel and Marvel's like cover schemes. You know, it's like, oh, order 100 of these and we'll give you one of these lenticulars or whatever uh, or however many they can order. I have no idea how it works, but it's 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 really difficult for someone who owns a shop because you're stuck with a lot of stuff that won't sell. Uh, just all this just block of, of um, material you can't also can't return if it's non-returnable. So it's like, what do you do with this? I guess I'll pulp it, or I'll try to you know sell it on eBay, or I'll just you know donate it to a hospital or something. I mean, it it's it sucks, and it's a, that's a real loser for for um, local comic shops. I, I just I don't know, man. It's it's tough. I love the LCS. I just I just don't know how it's feasible that they, they can stay in business much longer. And, and you know, people say that the books bookstores are the future of this industry, but Barnes and Noble's about to go out of business. Yeah, right. I, I, I don't I don't know what you know. Amazon is like driven all of these companies out, and Amazon is opening up their own bookstores now. But I I don't see how this works. I I, I just don't know. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not smart enough uh, in regards to where this industry should go. I mean, I, I think the bookstore market is a better place for them to be. Uh, the newsstands certainly don't work. But otherwise, you know, digital it. 
And, you know, even digital, you know, the thing about digital is we we don't know if digital's it because I don't think the companies even to this day release solid regular numbers about digital sales, right? No, we have no idea. No, I mean, um, and it, it doesn't really behoove them to release those numbers because a lot of what happens in the industry is that they have like relationships with store owners and they, they have like these actual representatives at diamond and there's, it, 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 they don't want to piss off the, the comics pro folks. So they don't want to talk about how digital is impacting the field at all. So it's, it's a really weird relationship that I just, I can't see it being maintained. Yeah. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. But, uh, you know, if nothing else, you know, if we want comic shops to be around right now, uh, be around in 10 years, you know, I mean, stuff like what Marvel has been pulling lately just really can't continue. You know, I mean, Image and DC, uh, from what I remember, uh, you know, from reading a number of sales columns, have generally been trending slowly upwards, like they've been selling a little bit more each year. Marvel, though, has you know I've seen I've seen a lot of reports, you know, not just that one from um, Brian Hibbs, that they are tanking, and that's taking comic shops with them. So that's something that I, I really do think uh, Marvel needs to get a handle on is some way to make these make print books work again because. Yeah, that's they're struggling there. But anyways, so we we've tackled all three, um, you know, uh, broad overview. DC is in a surprisingly inventive place right now. They're pushing forward with a lot of uh, new imprints. They're throwing things at a wall and seeing what sticks, and that's pretty promising. Uh, Marvel is struggling a lot more uh, on basically every level, but. Hopefully, with some creative turnover, they can kind of pull out of this slump. And Image is still trucking along. They fixed a lot of the issues that were plaguing their core lineup a couple of years ago and have become just a genuinely uh, solid company that, you know, whatever you're in the mood for, you know, you can probably find something to fit that at Image. But, you know, unlike Marvel or DC, you won't, you you know, I doubt there's anyone out there who's reading every image comic every week and reviewing them. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's 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 not as as whole or coherent a line. And, you know, some of their most popular titles will disappear for months on end without word. And that can cause some problems in shops sometimes. Now, uh, I guess, does anyone have any kind of closing thoughts, things you hope to see going forward? Uh, anything that you want to just leave people with? I am excited. I, sh- I should not be, but I am excited for Brian Michael Bendis on Superman. Uh, it is uh, uh, hopefully a, a, an opportunity for a writer that I used to like a lot to potentially refresh himself uh, and, and, and new environs. I, I listened to a very good interview that he did with John Swintrez, uh, the Word Balloon podcast, where they talk a lot about his health issues and why he jumped from Marvel to DC. I really want to see how he does this. And uh, I, I'm really curious. He said that uh, his his initial pitch to Jim Lee was that he wanted to answer a question about Superman that's never been answered. But he won't, he won't of course, won't say what that is until we get to this Man of Steel miniseries that's coming out uh, in June. But uh, I am so excited for that. Uh, I'm looking forward to finding out 
who the new art teams are. I, I've enjoyed the current Superman run anyway, but it's I, I think this is uh, really heading somewhere very interesting and hopefully interesting for the better. Yeah, I would agree. I'm pretty excited about that as well. And yeah, I mean, I'm always just excited to see, you know, kind of what comes next. And DC certainly got some more interesting stuff on the horizon. But, you know, Marvel's got nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so, you know, hopefully at some point soon. I, I like the idea of Hickman taking on the X-Men and making that something I can be excited about again, which, uh, you know, when I first got into comics, X-Men was like the, one of the big things that I was consistently excited about week to week. And um so that would be that would be cool. Um, and then, yeah, just, you know, with Image, uh, you know, they just announced a whole bunch of new series. So I'm excited about a, a fair amount of those and, uh, you know, excited to see where some of these um, consistent ones that have been running uh, continue to go. So. All right. And with that, we will uh, bid you a fond farewell, listeners. Hopefully, we'll be back again in just a week or two. I know that we're going to try and do a kind of March movie wrap up the same way we did that February one. Uh, that one, that one sounded like a lot of fun from, you know, listening to it at least. Uh, I'm sorry. I couldn't be there. And uh, you know, you may, you may see us back for, for a few other, uh, a few other podcasts kind of in between as well. So hopefully we will not, uh, we're, we're getting back on schedule uh, right now and yeah. Thank you all for listening. We will uh, see you again soon. Bye.